Hello and welcome to the first episode of the UUCSV podcast of 2020. I'm Evan Yannick and I'm glad you're listening. I want to apologize for not having a podcast recording of last week's sermon. I'm searching for a way we can get a podcast for the week that represents Tim's sermon, but be on the lookout for that soon. Our church's mission in the Swannanoa Valley is to create an open, active, and welcoming liberal religious community that nurtures spirituality, inspires growth and learning in the search for truth, and challenges us to live our values conscientiously through service and example. Today's service was led by Dr. John Huey, a former director of the North Carolina Outward Bound School. His sermon covers many of the benefits the Outward Bound program has brought to the world, helping millions of people to better understand the UU seventh principle in spirit, if not in name. Respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. I hope you all have a happy and productive year ahead. Welcome to the North Carolina Outward Bound School. You're sitting on the hill here. I'll give you a little few opening remarks before you launch out on your Outward Bound course. You all know, you all know because you read the literature and you thought deeply about whether or not to make the commitment to do something really hard, really different, really difficult and challenging in the natural world here at Table Rock. I, I congratulate you on making that decision. It's an extraordinary commitment. Some of you are older, some of you are younger, some of you are veterans, some of you are struggling with various things at work or in your personal life. We welcome you all here. And soon you'll be divided up into small groups with appropriate instructors who are highly trained, highly skilled, and highly compassionate and ready to rock and roll and to deliver what we promised you that we would deliver. Maybe the most extending, challenging, demanding experience of your life. It'll be physical, but that's not all of it. It's, it'll be physical because that will help you tap into the spiritual and other deeper parts of yourself. So welcome again to the North Carolina Outward Bound School. And if you're having reservations about your commitment, it has to be voluntary. You have to come here because you want to. You have to throw yourself into this. If you're having reservations and second thoughts, the bus has not left yet. <laughs> Board the bus. Take off. No, no problem. That's the beauty of Outward Bound. It's a, it's a gotcha, educational gotcha of a high order in the sense that everybody who came to Outward Bound, millions of people, came voluntarily and made a commitment to do something really difficult, really different, and unusual so that they could grow and learn no matter what their age. I congratulate you on making that commitment and now we're going to deliver. Nobody's gotten on the bus yet. <laughs> when I was a graduate student at Emory University uh, in 1964, I ran out of money after one semester and I started looking for a job. I drove over into George Wallace territory, Alabama to interview with the headmaster of a private school, Anniston Academy. Bob Pay, the headmaster, and I really hit it off. He told me, however, after the interview and showing me around the school, that if I accepted the teaching coaching job that fall, at working there, I'd be working with a new headmaster. I said, where, where, I'm sorry to hear that. Where are you going? He said he was going to start an outward bound school in Minnesota. What is an outward bound school? I asked. 
He gave me a long, eloquent, historical, and philosophical answer that I can still remember. He told me a bit about Kurt Hahn, the founder of Outward Bound, and Bob, long-winded, summed, summed it up finally, and he looked at me with his very intense eyes. He was a very charismatic guy. He said, Outward Bound, John, is a wilderness school where young men go through a rite of passage and learn a sense of harmony with themselves, with others, the natural world, and even the cosmos. That's the best thing I ever heard of, I said. Well, you really feel that way, John. Why don't you come with me? I said, let's go. And we went. My three summers in Minnesota, Outward Bound, changed my life, disrupted the path I was on towards intellectual cynicism and a certain amount of despair. Been in graduate school, been in, gra been in graduate school, and wasn't all bad, but it didn't lead to the kind of vitality I was hoping for and looking for. It, it opened the way, Outward Bound, Minnesota, opened the way for me to use my energy to help others and to figure out who I am. Pretty important thing to do in your 20s. Very intense thing. Outward Bound has done exactly that for countless other instructors, including several of you in this room, in Outward Bound schools and therapeutic wilderness programs that are similar to Outward Bound and in, and in higher education, where Outward Bound has also made a dent. What I found in Minnesota was real community. I'd long for that. Freedom from, the, freedom from cynicism, liberation from the thought conformity and racism of the Deep South where I was born and raised, South Georgia. I celebrated the chance to live like a wilderness vagabond, so to speak, and to embrace universal humanitarian values with some of the best people you'll ever meet in this world, people like you in the Unitarian Fellowship. Wild idealists, every one of us, from top to bottom, mostly younger men and women, boaters, explorers, risk-takers, pioneers, Spartans, Athenians, a few Swedes and Brits, <laughs> early-stage hippies, Eagle Scouts, jocks, intellectuals, searchers, and mavericks of every stripe, all drawn to what Kurt Hahn called the culture of aspiration. What a great phrase, the culture of aspiration. Like Peace Corps volunteers, we wanted to save the world. And ironically, the world of Outward Bound saved us by making use of us. It was beautiful. Physical, mental, and spiritual immersion. I see you, I see you thinking and smiling over there, Lee. We love the challenge of taking 16-year-old boys from diverse backgrounds on two-week, 200-mile canoe courses expeditions, paddling and portaging day after day, deep into the pristine natural world of the Boundary Waters canoe area. What appealed to me most, frankly, was the way in which this serious purpose was intertwined with the wild and woolly. It helped in this work, Outward Bound, to be more than a little wild and woolly. It's the opposite of sitting behind a desk. Given all that we demanded of ourselves, it helped a lot. I saw close up how Outward Bound helps people discover their wild creativity 
and how we humans belong to the earth, which sustains us in life. It's worth remembering that Henry David Thoreau said, and I quote, in wildness, in wildness is the salvation of the world. Every time I wrote that, people say, hey, that's, he said wilderness. I said, no, he didn't look it up. He said, in wildness is the salvation of the world. And we went wild in a good way. Joseph Campbell, power of myth, all y'all familiar with him, he wrote, and I quote, people say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. He continues to say, I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're really seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. Do I love that? I love it. <laughs> Let me tell you, working for Outward Bound in Minnesota, where I started, we felt the rapture of being alive. We woke up every day in the wee hours. We ran about three to five miles with our student crews when they arrived. We jumped in the freezing cold lake every morning after the run. Han was a big, Han, Kurt Han was a big believer in the early morning run and dip. I still have trouble passing any body of water without jumping in it. <laughs> and if I forget to do it, my 35-year-old son now really gives me a fit. He said, you're getting old, Dad. And I said, well, I know it. So, we developed leather skin, ignoring the mosquitoes, black flies, and no seams, and we ran with wide-eyed young men right off the bus through the bogs and the swamps as a way of initiating them right into the experience. Bob Pay, my mentor, the director of the school in Minnesota, the former headmaster, he called this the quiet walk. <laughs> we called it sometimes immediate acclimatization when we wanted to get fancy. We prepared students in that way and many other ways for the long expedition, the three days and nights of solo, and we modeled craftsmanship and the service ethic in many ways. We trained them in drownproofing, camp craft, map and compass skills, orienteering, whitewater, flat, whitewater and flatwater canoeing, ingenious initiative exercises. We could talk a lot about that in we'll, a little bit, we'll in a little bit. Problem solving and collaboration, the ropes course, the climbing wall, and variations on this regimen characterize programs at all of the 10 outward bound schools today in the United States and 50 or so in the world. Mountaineering, canoeing, wide variety of locations and, and variations of, pro, of the program. Bob Pay, very charismatic, very philosophical guy, deceased now. He talked often with me and others about Kurt Hahn, and he gave me plenty to read because you know I was interested. Late at night by flashlight in my lumpy bed under a leaky tarp. This is a story you wanted me to tell. I could just tell this story and walk out and Harry would applaud. <laughs> Kurt Hahn, German Jewish visionary who had spoken out against Hitler in the 1930s, managed to escape with the help of friends in England where he had been educated at Oxford. He was an Anglophile. In the middle of World War II, the captains of industry and leaders in Great Britain enlisted Kurt Hahn to address the problem of the great loss of life in the North Sea. 
British merchant ships delivering supplies to the Scandinavian countries were often torpedoed by German U-boats, German submarines, in hellish life or death situations, hanging on to debris in the icy cold waters, waiting to be rescued, the younger men often died in much greater numbers than the older. These younger seamen simply had not developed the belief in themselves, the, will, the ability to endure, the will to, to, sustain, to survive that the older sailors had gained from experience. Hahn designed a program to evoke, evoke the will to survive, not, not the skill so much as the will. The will and the courage to endure hardship, to overcome obstacles, the will to prevail and never give up. Sounds like would, like uh, Winston Churchill. I love to, I use, I use Winston Churchill a lot in my opening talks, never give up. Hahn <laughs> knew that perseverance depends more on attitude than physical strength. He knew also that being prepared to help others has great survival value for all. Being prepared to help others, you save yourself basically. The first Outward Bound School was a sailing school that opened in 1942 on the coast of Wales. 28-day courses, learning by experience, learning to sail by sailing, not by talking about sailing. Hahn incorporated his approach into four tenets, the four pillars, P-I-L-L-A-R-S. First time I heard that, I was talking about four pillows, but four pillars of Outward Bound, self-reliance, fitness, craftsmanship, and compassion. These pillars continue to give form and meaning to Outward Bound programs worldwide. <laughs> Outward Bound was a nautical term used when ships left the safety of the harbor and ventured into the hazards and of the open sea, heading outward, like going on an Outward Bound course, not, never, not turn, never turning back, no turning back, committed. And it took its motto from Alfred Lord Tennyson's poem, Ulysses, to serve, to strive, and not to yield. Outward Bound is the best known of Hahn's several schemes to promote peace and citizenship. He was also the founding head of Gordonston School and the United World, United World Colleges. There's about four of them across the world today. Now, frankly, what, it, what intrigued me about Outward Bound was, were the paradoxes. Think about it. Intense, very intense stress challenge safely delivered by compassionate instructors. Intense stress challenge and physical activity contributed powerfully to spiritual awakening, the human spiritual awakening. The solo, another paradox, three days and three nights alone in the wilderness on most outward bound courses. A time of solitude and reflection in the wilderness seemed to feed the fires of group respect and cohesion, paradoxically. The discovery of one's individual, individual capabilities not only strengthened self-reliance, but stimulated the desire to share, the desire to serve, the desire to support others. A lot of interesting paradoxes and irony in that, and I love the, I love the paradoxes. And of course, to deliver it in that way, everything depended on the skill and compassion and tone setting by the director of the school and the skillful attention of the, of the instructors. The climbing wall, 13, 12 to 14 feet high, eight, about eight feet wide, made of smooth wood, no splinters in it. Every outward bound school all over the world has a climbing wall 
a vivid symbol, really, of all of the Outward Bound programs and challenges. Get your small group of eight to 10 students over the wall. No props, no ropes, no ladder, no holding onto the sides, no one hanging upside down. Just make a plan and then start to work. Use your bodies, work as a team, and get everybody over the, over the fall. It looks like an insurmountable barrier, but you can do it. It was wonderful to see the, the variety of ways in which people tried to get over that wall. Can't hold on to the sides, no ladder. I had the pleasure of taking a group of psychologists from Broughton Hospital on a one-day outward bound exposure. And I gave them the pitch that I just described. And I said, okay, y'all, see you on the other side. Y'all talk together, debate, work it out, and tell them when you're ready. So after about 30 minutes, one of the psychologists said, John, we've talked it over. We've had some heated debate over here, and we've decided it is a wall. <laughs> Lee, Lee and I have seen kids doing it, with it, hanging somebody from the top of the wall under their armpits so that the last person can climb up their legs, and we've seen them pull the pants right off. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably before we went co-ed. <laughs> <laughs> we introduced the first girls course in Minnesota. Proud of that. Today, most outward bound courses everywhere, most of them are co-ed. I knew that I had found my calling, and I took note that plans were already in the works to open an Outward Bound school in North Carolina, where I eventually became the director in 1977. The key word in the Outward Bound mission statement is to inspire. Think about it. It's a physical program that's the way it looks, but the purpose of it is to inspire, not to indoctrinate, not to train necessarily, but to inspire, to put spirit into, to open the mind, body, and heart, and soul to the natural world. Maybe even to experience that harmony with the nature and the cosmos that Bob Pay had told me about. I saw some people who had those kind of epiphanies and mystical experiences. I was one of them. And the more I learned about Outward Bound as I worked in it, the more I realized I had stumbled into a movement with substance, depth and continuing relevance and wonderful people. Here's some example of the depth. Kurt Hahn wrote, he, wasn't, he didn't write books by the way, he gave a lot of speeches. He wrote or gave in a speech, sustained the passions, the craving for adventure, the joy of exploration, the love of music, painting or writing, the devotion to a skill demanding patience and care. He said also, I regard it as the foremost task of education to ensure the survival of these qualities, an enterprising curiosity, an indefatigable spirit, tenacity in, in pursuit, readiness for sensible self-denial, and above all, compassion. Pretty beautiful. I learned how to pronounce indefatigable. <laughs> It came to me in Minnesota, and it sticks with me now, that one of the greatest gifts we can ever give to our children to, is to expose them to the beauty and fragility of the natural world. And we did that in Minnesota, we did it in North Carolina, and most all outward bound schools do it by going, taking people into the wilderness. Outer beauty, Thomas Berry would tell us, outer beauty can evoke inner beauty. 
I never missed a chance as a young buck instructor in Minnesota, no matter how much the students might complain. I never missed a chance to take them off our planned route, paddle 10 extra miles to see an amazing hidden waterfall. I remember one night setting up, sitting up with a young boy from Boston. I remember it very clearly. He liked to stay up late at night and we'd make hot chocolate, sit up beyond midnight, just the two of us. And he'd say to me, looking, he would keep looking up at the sky and he'd say, look at those damn stars. I've never seen so many stars in my life. You can't even see these stars in Boston. How do, you measure, how do you measure the impact of that experience, that kind of experience? Outward Bound today, to give you a little more information, offers journeys for youth and adults of all ages, long courses, short courses, on the lakes and rivers, in the mountains, on the sea, in Colorado. First school was in Colorado in this country. In Maine, Oregon, California, and even in the city. Yes, even in the city, running Outward Bound courses, using the parks and using other ingenious ways to teach character building through experiential activities. Thriving programs in New York now, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. The one in Atlanta is an extension of the North Carolina school. Outward Bound schools operate through the British Isles, throughout the British Isles, and in many countries where the British flag has flown, Bermuda, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and many more, and I've had the great pleasure of visiting many of them. Today, there are over 50 in the world and 10 in the United States. North Carolina Outward Bound School opened in 1967, thanks to a young woman, 24 years old, who founded Outward Bound North Carolina, Marjorie Buckley. And, she, and our, that school, right over the hills here in Swannanoa, has uh, graduated close to half a million students from a wide variety of courses and it's going strong today. I hope you all will go over there and visit the headquarters right on the Riceville Road. Expeditionary learning curriculum using outward bound principles has spread to nearly 200 public schools across the, this country in the past 15 or so years, including the Evergreen School, right? <clears throat> Parker Palmer how many of y'all know Parker Palmer's work? Quaker, thinker, philosopher. Parker Palmer, himself an alumnus of Outward Bound and author of The Active Life and many other books, he's been reminding us for years by word and deed to mobilize the courage required now for collective survival. Palmer took an adult Outward Bound course in his, four, in his 40s, a time, quote, a time he wrote when monsters abound and in the middle of that course, he writes, I was asked to confront the thing I feared most. A gossamer strand, he writes, was hooked to a harness around my body. It's getting ready to do a rappel. He calls it a gossamer strand. <laughs> I was backed up to the top of a 110-foot cliff, he writes, and told to lean out over God's own emptiness and walk down the face of the cliff to the ground 11 stories below. Step by step, he made his way you know, backwards and when suddenly he found himself heading for a large crevice in the rock face. He froze. His female instructor had him, had him on belay. She yells up from below, anything wrong, Parker? <laughs> Parker shouted back. I'm not sure how strong the shout was. He said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Thank you.
Parker, and she shouts back at him, if you can't get out of it, Parker, get into it. <laughs> Parker writes, bone deep, I knew there was no way out of this situation except to go deeper into it. And then my feet began to move and I negotiated through that crevice and down the rest of the cliff without incident. That is why, he continues, we must sometimes ride the monsters all the way down. Some monsters, and we're familiar with a lot of them today, aren't we? Some monsters simply won't go away. The only way to deal with them is to move toward them, with them, if you can, into them and through them, facing reality. What if we could produce a few million Parker Palmers, risk takers like you, thinkers, activists for democracy and for environmental sanity? What if we could do that? Leaders who live the active life to the best of their ability and who put everything on the line. Now I want to share with you some choice uh, comments by real students who've taken Outward Bound courses at North Carolina, most of them, to give you the flavor of what students tell us that they learn. We never told them what they learned, they tell us what they learned. That's called learning by experience and reflecting on experience. John Dewey had something to say about that. I wanted, a, I wanted a physical and mental tune-up from this course. What I got was a major overhaul. <laughs> Walter, 68 years old. We used to have a program called Going Beyond. It was designed for older people. He was one of them. While so many forces are pulling us apart, Outward Bound is a rare bridge bringing us together. Shelley, 16 years old. Outward Bound has given me a new sense of loving the outdoors and the land we live in. on. I want to become more conscious of our good earth and do my part to conserve and save it. Brad, businessman, 29. Here's the best one. We're better than we know. If we discover this just once, we will never settle for less. Marcia, 16. 11,000 scientists have recently announced that climate change has its own track for untold suffering, while the United Nations says the collapse of our ecosystems could wipe out a, a million species. We're in a struggle for life itself. We know that. We're not separate from nature. We are nature. And in this struggle, we have to become our true natural selves, not a virus that plagues this planet, but a species that protects all life. No stranger to courage, Bill McKibben has been telling us for 30 years or more, we are headed for biological annihilation. Time is short. And Parker Palmer reminds us and tells us, and now we have to act with greater courage than ever. We have to face our monsters we have to take risks, and we have to do that which scares us. Now I've got to live up to my billing. What if? What if Outward Bound Worldwide made environmental awareness even more central to its philosophy and programs? What if we could inspire millions more people to live with courage and reverence for all life, catching the spirit of Greta Thunberg, who shows us and tells us no one, she says, no one is too small to make a difference. 
What if we acted collectively as if we were facing the same peril all over the world, just as those young British merchant seamen faced peril in the North Sea? What if we could sustain a mass mobilization comparable to what, comparable to what we did in World War II, only this time waging peace and healing to reverse the destructive effects of climate change? That's what William James would call the moral equivalent of war. That's a phrase that I love. It's a phrase and a concept often used by Kurt Hahn. We used it in our readings to start courses. We have to toughen up, folks. We all know that. We've got to dig deeper than ever, and we have to keep charging. We have to get over this wall together, no matter how impossible it seems. It's time for all of us to go both more deeply inward and then go outward to serve, to strive, hopefully to find, Tennyson had to find in his line, to serve, to strive, to find, and not to yield. Giving up's not an option. Everyone has a role to play. We're all in the same boat. The need to be strong, the need to be strong is the chance to be. Sammy Prefontaine said that he, right after taking his outward bound course and he died shortly thereafter of cancer. The need to be strong is the chance to be. I want to thank all of you for what you're already doing. Drinking from the tap, maybe instead of a plastic bottle, divesting from fossil fuels, staying active politically, doubling your volunteer efforts with dynamic nonprofits, cherishing the remaining wild places and honoring the creation with mind, body, and soul, celebrating the rapture of being alive. It's very good to be on that journey with you good people. Thank you. To be alive in this beautiful cell phone, to participate in the dance of life with senses to perceive it, lungs that breathe it, organs that draw nourishment from it, is a wonder beyond words. Gratitude for the gift of life is the primary wellspring of all religions, the hallmark of the mystic, the source of all true art. Furthermore, it is a privilege to be alive in this time when we can choose to take part in the self-healing of the world. Amen. 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 Thanks again for listening. Next week, we'll hear from Dr. Mark Mullinax, who is Professor of Religion and Chair of the Faculty at Mars Hill University, about the Chinese book Tao Te Ching. It is sure to be enlightening. I hope to see you there.